Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I'm not the only person who uses the word aforementioned in a basketball podcast or medium, any kind of basketball telecast, because Mark Jones, the Sacramento Kings play-by-play guy, used it last night during the Pistons game. And if you're wondering why I was watching Kings Pistons on a Monday night, it's because I'm a basketball sicko. No, I don't know. It's Kings week. Shout out to Carlin Gabe, NBA.com, who put me on like this idea of like, because I kind of get overwhelmed, Mark, who's also here, Mark Schindler is here of Premium Hoops NBA, Indy Cornrows, Fear of the Sword, one of my favorite basketball writers uh, around right now. So go check him out if you have not already done so. But Carlin put me on this of like, I, I get a little overwhelmed, Mark. I don't know how you break up your basketball watching, <laughs> um, covering multiple teams like you do. Um, but I have to pick. So, I mean, I watch every Hawks game, but I want to dive in because I feel like I don't have a good read on certain teams. So, I'm just doing a full week of Kings basketball this week. And then next week, I'm going to do a full week of somebody else to get a good idea. Is that something you do? What do you do? Yeah, man. Well, it helps because I know you do like every sport. I have no idea to <laughs> keep up with it, to be completely honest. I uh, I just do strictly basketball. I do uh, draft stuff on top as well, so keeping up with college hoops. But um it helps that I have uh, like a scouting service so I can go and watch things through without commercials. Like it's just uh, live ball situations. Like if I just want to watch like say Cade Cunningham's possessions and I can go do that. Um, but also I try and watch two games of every team a week because it's impossible to watch every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even sometimes watching two of every team a week is hard. I think it just depends. It fluctuates like, um, like I watch every single Pacers and, and Cavs game, but then I, so you see a lot of teams conjunctively through that. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, part of it's just, I'm always curious about stuff. So yeah. I always go in and watch things or, you know, dive into some of the numbers. And then that leads me to watching more. And um, you know, it's hit or miss. It just depends on the week and, and what I'm doing. But um, I mean, I really don't keep up with any other sport. Like I watch college football on Saturdays just to keep myself sane and not watch basketball every living second. But mm-hmm. um I, I mean, I, I don't have the time to be like a fully invested uh, person who's like diving into other sports right now. Look, man, I it's it's hard to to prioritize and to balance everything. It's just a lot of Google Docs, a lot of Google yeah. Sheets um, and uh, just keeping at it. But I don't know, like you, I, I feel like I would I run into burnout if I'm watching too much of one thing. Um, I, I need to have that variety and I need to have. Um, different sports on different things uh, like I need to watch succession I need to I need to balance it out a little bit or I will get frustrated with watching Marvin Bagley do whatever <laughs> it is yeah. that Marvin Bagley does on a basketball floor because I watched it last night and Mark I've got great news for you um, not great news if you're a Marvin Bagley stand uh, he's very bad and still quite bad and um, played a lot uh, has not played I think it was uh, since the second game in the season um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was not a good showing, but they still blew out the Pistons who are just inc- like, they have 19 point guards. Like there's a Frank Jackson in there. There's a Corey Joseph. There's a Killian Hayes. There, there's a Cade Cunningham. That is just a weird, weirdly constructed roster. Um, I don't know. Did not enjoy it. I hope the Pistons are not on my docket for the foreseeable future, but I do think the Kings 
are incredibly interesting in the way they work. And you're like, oh, I can see how this this works. I can see how Buddy Buddy Heald fits into uh, being got bench. Damian Mitchell is so much fun to watch defensively. Like he like there was a play where like Halliburton has a steal uh, in the category there from last night. And this is why like you can't just like box score count uh, this kind of stuff because uh, Mitchell forced the steal because Halliburton just had to step in but uh the passing lane was skewed because Mitchell's arms and just his on-ball defense was so good that I don't remember it might have been Josh Jackson who just threw it away and Halliburton was just right there for a fast break but like little things like that I liked seeing because I I'd heard and seen clips of Mitchell but I had not seen his defense in action and that uh, that was pretty great. Um, big Damian Mitchell guy. And then Rashawn Holmes is just an absolute delight in what he was doing on the offensive glass in the, in the third quarter, Mark. It was it was great. That That's my uh, Sacramento Kings update for you. Oh, no, I love the Kings. It's funny. I, as, as bad as the Kings have been, like they're they're in a really odd stage of like they have young guys. They have intrigue. Um, and especially because of the year when uh, when Dave Yeager was their coach mm-hmm. um, and they almost made the playoffs. I think they ended up as, as the nine seed. They were just like really fun. Uh, like I think they were number one in pace in the league that year. Um, really good. Just transition offense. They actually played pretty solid defense, too. Um and ever since then, they've just never really been able to quite reclaim that. I think this is the year where you're hoping that they break through. But it's just like, I mean, as good as some of the guys have played, like Harrison Barnes has probably been their best player so far this year. Mm-hmm. They've needed it to be De'Aaron Fox. Like De'Aaron Fox was a borderline all-NBA guy last year for me. Um, or I, I at least thought he should have been an all-star. Um, and it just has been a really rough go of it for him to start the year. He's been better over the recent weeks. but He loves um, long twos. He does love his long twos off the dribble. Um, but like overall, it's just like the team still just isn't quite there. Like the way that they fill out the rest of their roster isn't, isn't great. Like mm-hmm. they have a lot of bigs, a lot of fours. They really don't have a, a true wing on the roster and they have a lot of guards and it's just, um, so their lineup constructions are so wonky, but like mm-hmm. you mentioned, like Davion Mitchell has been a joy to watch this year. One of my favorite things is when a, when a, when a guard or, or just ball handler in general, uh, has to play play against him for the first time it's kind of awesome to watch Mm -hmm. um i've clipped that a bunch this year just like him you know absolutely hounding like you know donovan mitchell at the point of attack or you know him against kate cunningham was really fun yesterday too Mm -hmm. um oh so you watched it yesterday oh yeah i did watch yesterday okay what were your takeaways then by and large were my takeaways right on par with you like halliburton had this step back um this hesitation step back three was just just preposterous like luca garza had a really rough go of it every time he was on the floor it's that's been the uh that's been the year for him he's not ready for nba competition right now as far as i'm concerned i think he should still be in the g league but it's been tough because uh kelly linux out right now so he's been he had to come up and play minutes um no tyrese was really good yesterday mm-hmm. he's had an awesome second year to get started it, again he, he started a little rocky too but he's done a little bit more on the ball this year which has been kind of mm-hmm. funky because i mean fox is a really really good player with the ball in his hands not quite the same without it um, so kind of navigating what it's like with both them on the court and, and Tyrese having the ball in his hands has been interesting. And I don't really know what to make of it yet. Um, especially with like the, the news coming out from the athletic, I think it was yesterday that, uh, Luke Walton is on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, they're, they're so funky, but yeah, Tyrese has done like a ton. There was a stretch last year. I think there was like a 10, 10 game stretch when De'Aaron Fox didn't play. And uh, I think it was a game against the Warriors when Tyrese had his, his career high last year was him running just a ton of pick and roll. looked really good doing stuff that 
just wasn't really expecting him to do his rookie year. And he's been uh, he's been a joy to watch really blossom as a player. The, the thing with the Kings, though, is that they just they don't know what they want to do because I, they know what they want to run. And Halliburton and Fox are so good running. And uh, Rashawn Holmes is a great rim running center. But like they they can't all the time. So they just really struggle to put teams away. And we saw that a little bit last night with the, the third string, uh, Frank Jackson hitting every corner three imaginable for the Pistons to keep them in it. And Sadiq Bey doing stuff who I like. Sadiq Bey might be the best player on the Pistons right now that uh I, I, he Kate Cunningham was awesome but Sadiq Bay man that's that guy is fearless fearless I like Sadiq Bay um Cade's shot seems to be coming along a little bit better he's a really smart rebounder which I thought was really cool like he just knows how to be in the right spot and he's just seems like he's gonna be somebody who just the game comes easy for him right away but it's also just that like once the three-point percentage gets around 35%, and he shot the ball better than he has uh, to this point in the season, he's going to be just an exceptional, exceptional player. But like something I jotted down was Killian Hayes. When are we having the Killian Hayes' Frank Nilakina 2.0 conversation? What are we doing here? What, what This is not working. We need to th- toss this out. Um, this is this is out. Don't enjoy this. Um, it's the, the Marvin Bagley thing where it's like, okay, you can't do Marvin Bagley in a big uh, if you're the Kings. This doesn't work either. Um, but Tristan Thompson, like high energy, he's been really good for them. I liked what he brought. Um, I like the just him and Rashawn Holmes doing the same kind of thing. Uh, so you're not really missing a beat um, when you're replacing those guys. But um i don't know and then the the back and forth with ty and fox and you spoke to this is Halliburton has the ball in his hands more now this year that means fox has to do more spot up stuff and he is not comfortable with that like when you watch these possessions the half court's just weird because like you said harrison barnes has been their best player and he'll drive and draw fouls every now and then but like they don't really know what to do in the half court yet. And I don't even know if that even falls on Walton. Cause I'm like, what is he supposed to do with this construction? Like I don't, this group is meant to do stuff in a free flowing early Lakers days that he had with Lonzo and everybody. Like, I don't, I don't think this roster has, like you said, the, the wing depth to close games and to do the kind of stuff that, that just win two basketball games and gets you in the topper end of the Western conference. Because it's like, I guess it's Halliburton, but then you have to talk to have a very uncomfortable with De'Aaron Fox and, conversation with De'Aaron Fox and be like hey this this has to be uh Halliburton late because he does stuff where he puts guys on skates and can get us a bucket late in games um better than you can but I mean he's still so good at, and so crafty getting in the lane that I'm like I don't know if I want to do that either I don't know I the Kings I'm excited to keep watching them this week because it's a it's a weird team thus far yeah definitely I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are the rest of the week because they have a, they have a good slate of games coming up for sure yeah, you get the Wolves in there. Uh, I forgot who else is in there. Maybe the Jazz, I want to say. Um, so outside of the Kings, though, because people are like, I cannot believe this podcast, the CT podcast, just spent 12 minutes <laughs> on Kings Pistons. But look, folks, we're NBA junkies, and this is this is what we do. And um, it's fun. This week in basketball for you, though, who have you been watching? Who have you been keeping your eye on? Who, who have you been thinking about a lot? So I have been thinking a lot about, I mean, not kind of every team, but I think a lot of what's stuck with me so far has been uh, Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland has hmm. been an absolute blast to watch this year, um, especially because I, I, I grew up in Cleveland. I hmm. still live there right now. So um, I didn't really grow up a fan or anything, but this is the first time since LeBron hasn't been here that the team has really been worth watching. And not even just that, like they they have like real compelling um, players on the team like Evan Mobley has already become the best player on the team. Unfortunately, he's going to be out two to four weeks with an elbow sprain that he got during last night's game against the Celtics. But 
Um, they're just really funky. Like you, you mentioned the funkiness with the Sacramento. I don't think there's a team that's funkier than the Cavs, hmm. like routinely playing three bigs on the floor. <laughs> uh, Darius Garland has been really good this year and taking another step. And then Ricky Rubio has like a career high usage rate in, I think year 12 for yeah. him. It's like right around there. Um, like the next game was being, preposterous. Oh yeah. He was absurd. I mean, he's gone from being a guy who was just kind of a non-shooter to now. Um, I think he's fifth in the league in pull up three point percentage. He's on, a Puget God now. What? He's a Puget God. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, and it's just been kind of really awesome to see how mm-hmm. some of the guys have gelled how things have worked. Um, I definitely have questions about what it's going to look like moving forward, especially with, with Mobley out because he's been so vital for what they're doing, but I don't well, know. What is he doing? Point. So for folks who have not watched enough Cleveland yet, um, what is Mobley doing? Why is he so good right away? And how, why are the Cavs three big lineups not tanking? So Evan Mobley has, is somebody who, for me, if the season ended today, he mm. would be on my all defense ballot. He's been oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's been, uh, you know, there are a lot of guys who you see them. And I think yesterday was like the first game where you really saw like, okay, he's a rookie. Um, he struggled a little bit with Al Horford guy. I mean, he's been in the league for forever and he's a very good player still. Um, and he really got Evan on, on both ends of the court in some ways. But I thought, you know, like there's, I, I wrote an article about this last week and like, you can, you can go and look at it. Like uh, there's a possession where he, he guarded Damian Lillard on, uh, you know, like in the final two minutes of a game out on the perimeter, like Damian Lillard called for an isolation on him. He defended it, blocks a shot before he even gets to the rim. Um, you know, he's playing out at the top of a three, two zone and, and defending Trey young. Like he's just kind of done everything and done it so well. He leads the league in, in contests right now. Um, he's up there in blocks and steals. Uh, and it's not even just about like numbers and counting stats, but it's just more like the tracking data helps you kind of realize what you're watching on court. Like he covers ground. Like, um, I think only really Giannis and AD can, um, there just aren't people who are that size that have the coordination fluidity, um, and actual ability to put everything together. And, uh, you know, be able to consistently make plays like that without fouling. Um, which I think that's, what's been most impressive about him. Like most rookie bigs who come in are going to foul like crazy, like Jaron Jackson jr. As much as I love him, like when he first came into the league, I mean, it still has been a problem at times with how much he fouls, um, cause he's still getting used to it in some ways, but, um, but is that the way they're calling games? Do you think he would be this, uh, effective, uh, and not getting called for those fouls if I think he, he came be. last it's year? Less, okay. Uh, especially too, like, it's like his timing and verticality at the rim is really good. Mm. Like he, uh, has been fantastic at not jumping into somebody who's good at getting just straight up. Mm. Um, and he, he isn't really somebody who's benefited from some of the more physical play on the perimeter. Like I do think there are some guards who would be getting more foul calls. Like, especially if you look at somebody like Alex Caruso right now, he's been awesome to start the year and he'd still be very good with, uh, things getting called differently, but I think he would get more calls, but Evan has just been like, he's using his length. It's less about, you know, using, using physicality or, or bump offs or anything to, to drive anybody off. So what's his true, like in the best five man unit for him, where does he slide in? Is he the three, the four, or the five? Oh, I think right now it's the four. Um, okay. I mean, we saw yesterday with Jared Allen out um, for the, his first time this season, uh, Evan slid up to play the five and you saw like some of the struggles with him for that. Uh, uh, like he, he's, he benefits being able to play the four on offense a little bit more. You know, I, I think 
uh, there are easier ways to get him set up with things, especially with how the roster is is structured right now. Like on this roster, I think it makes the most sense for him to play the four. Maybe on some rosters, it would make sense for him to be the five. But he's still um, like he's seven, seven, one and like 220 pounds. He's not very uh, maybe a little bit heavier than that. But um, like he still needs to add on add on weight. And he might be a mm-hmm. guy who never functionally has like a ton of mass. But um, like he's got the the ball handling skills and the, and the perimeter skills to be more at the four. And I think it's a little bit more ideal for him, just the way that things will space out if he's playing there, um, especially considering like, you know, who, who's going to be guarding him. Um, ideally, I think it's at the four, especially to like, he's a guy who can be your primary rim protector, but like in the best scenarios, he's, you know, roaming a little bit more off ball and kind of like what he's done with the Cavs this year. Jared Allen has really nailed things down for them in the paint and, and Evan has just kind of covered ground like crazy has been his job to, to just um, really solidify things for a team that lacks a lot of true stoppers on the perimeter. Hmm. So what about the, that was what I, I thought it was because like, do you think you've seen anything that changes your perspective on Garland and Sexton and Okoro? Like what, what is that three man grouping going to look like? Obviously injuries have played a role in how much we've seen of those three, but like, are you a believer in that group? Because like, for me, I'm a believer in Garland. I'm a believer in Mobley. I'm a believer in Jared Allen. I don't know. Like you can find Isaac Okoro's anywhere. Like I think he, those kind of guys just grow on trees. Um, Colin Sexton. I've never been a big Colin Sexton guy. I think he's just, um, he's not old enough to transition into the third guard, uh, the Reggie Jackson role that he was, he was meant to be. He was, he was meant to be, but, um, he's still young enough where you're like, well, maybe we can talk ourselves into him. Um, what have you seen and what do you think uh, there it, like what it, what kind of growth potential is there for Garland, Okoro and uh, Colin Sexton going forward? It's tough because like if you just look at the box score, um, this has been Sexton's worst year in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, I would come right out and tell you this has been his best year, in my opinion, um, after watching him his whole career. Um, so what's the discrepancy? I know, like, Oh, wait, the discrepancy is just like right now it's because his shooting numbers are down. Mm-hmm. Like he really is somebody who has struggled with having the new ball. Um, there hmm. are a couple of guys who have really just not gotten along well with the new ball. And he's, he's one of them. Um, hmm. I don't know entirely what all plays into that, but I like he's a total creature of habit in terms of like the uh, I'm sure you've heard a little bit about like some of the crazy like Jim Rat stories for him. Yeah, um, like that's it's legit uh, in terms of talking to people from Cleveland and what he's like. Um, I do imagine like some of the guys who are more like uh, super process oriented like that. It, it probably is impacting them more. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, like, OK, so even though his assists are down, I would also point out like he's making the best passing reads he has in his career. Hmm. Um, part of it's been him having the ball in his hands less, which I do think has been better for him and for the team. Um, like he honestly was starting to really find a groove and I think he had this entire year like he really developed as an off-ball scorer last year was continuing that this year and I think that the offense was starting to benefit him and he was benefiting from it too um but you know you just saw some of the when you're not shooting well it, it really impacts everything else but um the defense was better um he's still not a good defender like just to be blunt but he was playing the best defense that he had in his career by a significant margin. He was just way more uh, active, uh, fought over screens better, uh, doing a lot more of the smaller things that would make him. Uh, I don't like saying like winning or not winning player. I guess it's fair however you want to put it. But 
Um, I do think in some ways he, it's been he's, – he's been oddly characterized in both directions. Like I, I land somewhere in the middle. I don't necessarily agree that he has to be a third guard right now. I think he's capable of being a starter in the league. And he was doing that this year. Like Again, if the shooting numbers are consistent with who he is as a player, I think it looks a lot different. Um, in terms of his viability with Darius moving forward, I would say I'm with you. I don't think that that's a viable backcourt moving forward. And I think the Cavs have been – um, you know, like if, if the Cavs thought that was a viable backcourt moving forward, they would have paid him already as far as I'm concerned. So I think they kind of have showed their hand with that. With Isaac, it's interesting. Uh, he had a, probably his best game of the season last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some ways, that's not saying a lot because he has had a really rough go of it. Um, it's tough because you have to look at it in two ways with him. Like, number one, he's a guy who I think is going to be all defense in a year okay. or two. Like, he's that good. Um, but also, like you mentioned with his size – He's kind of small for the three. He's really mm-hmm. not a three. J.B. Bickerstaff has come out and said, like, I think he's a two naturally. I would agree with that. Um, but then, okay, well, you have to do a lot more offensively if you're going to be playing the two. And right. he did that yesterday. He was way more aggressive driving. He got to the foul line. Um, that's what you need from him. Like, he just has to make very quick decisions. Um, he took threes. It's about making them more. But he had a really good uh, close last year. Um, I want to say Darius missed time and it was him and Sexton were the starting backcourt for a while. Um, and he was, uh, just like gunning away from outside, taking like four or five per game. Um, it wasn't all falling, but like you saw the process, like, okay, I'm just going to be confident. I'm going to take the shot. I'm going to keep driving, work on my handle. Um, and I thought there were some good dividends from that. I want to see more of that play out. I think in some ways, uh, not that Collins injury is a good thing. Like I, I really do think the Cavs are going to miss him. Uh, and we've already seen that play out. Like they could have used him a lot yesterday. They, they've really lacked having somebody who can just get them a bucket. Um, but I do think like Isaac needs to come along quite a bit as a player. Um, part of it is the roster has done him no favors in terms of getting to his ideal outcome as an offensive player, but also he's got to be, um, a lot more decisive with the ball in his hands for sure. And the finishing has been a real problem too. Like, cause like you were mentioning, I mean, he's like, like, again, he's smaller. Okay. Well, when he's six, five going up against somebody who's six, seven or six, eight, he really struggles to finish through, through contact. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I mean, obviously when you look at him, he's incredibly strong, he's very athletic, but he's not a great leaper off of like one or two. Uh, I think it's more off one foot. Um, which is where you're, where you're going to get most layups from because he is relatively stiff in his lower body, not super flexible. Um, and that really shows out when he's, uh, when he's trying to go up, but he's also gotten to a stage where he's not really trying to draw contact. So it's like, he's at a very awkward stage of, of his career as an offensive player. And I do think it's going to get better with time. I think some people have been a little bit too harsh with him. Um, but it definitely needs to be better fast. <laughs> I think it's just the lottery thing. It's just like where you find guys, it just matters. Like if you found him at 18, you're just like, wow, we're thrilled. This is awesome. Like if he develops any more, if he finishes over bigger guys, that kind of thing, like that's great. Then we we nailed it. But where he was taken, you're like, no, we we need you to to have more upside um, than this. But that's why the draft is just so hard to to figure out and um i don't know uh, like i'm dealing with that right now with the hawks like the cam reddish uh fall from grace over the last few games has just been uh brutal for me as a cam reddish defender for years now and uh he got up to that great start he ended the buck series so well that i was in um 
because I've been just sell, sell, sell DeAndre Hunter for for months. I, we're I think we're at a year now of me just being like, we got to get out of this. This is the, the the knee, everything. There's just certain guys I believe. The availability thing is just never going to 100% be there for him. Um, the point forward stuff we saw at the beginning of last year was awesome. And you're like, oh, if we could just turn injuries off like it's NBA 2K, I'm all in. This is great. This is great. Um, but now it's a doomsday situation in Atlanta. We're six and nine. We get the Celtics tonight. But um, I don't know. It's It's really hard to remedy the situation i mean he's now gone with his wrist so he'll be gone for several weeks and the rotation uh gets slimmer which is a something i think is actually going to benefit the hawks i'm interested to get your perspective on them if just having too many guys has been something you've seen where they've talked about it as a team of just trying to integrate so many different people because they did not have to do this uh last year um but yeah i don't know part of it's just trey not getting to the line as much part of it is just Things are weird in the half court. Part of it is that they really have a great collection of guys, but they don't really have a bunch of guys who know what to do in the half court and that they can rely on. Like Trey is still kind of having to to do everything because him and Collins are the only one really, really busting their tail uh, through the first uh, 10 plus games of the season. But I don't know. What do you, what is your perspective on Atlanta? Do you think there is reason to panic? Do you think that they're going to figure stuff out. What have you, what have you seen from them? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's time to panic. Uh, it definitely has not been good. I have not liked very much what I've seen from the Hawks. Like, uh, obviously you have the first game against the Mavs, absolute beatdown, And I was like, okay, I'm in the Hawks are here. Like they, they look great. They look ready to go. Um, that just hasn't been that team. Uh, I do wonder a little bit what things are going to look like with, with DeAndre out, which sucks for him being out. Cause even though like, uh, no, he hasn't been perfect, but I thought he's relatively been pretty well. Like, I mean, played pretty well. Um, he's been probably their best defender at the point of attack, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean, part of it with cam too, with how much he's taken a step as an offensive or less taking a step, taking a bigger role as an offensive player. His defense has not been as good as the, the, this year. It's been a lot less consistent to me. Um, you know, you have Danilo Gallinari. I don't want to say he's fallen off, but he's been odd in, in the rotation. It feels like in some ways he's like not playing enough for what he uh, mostly can do. It, 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 like, I agree with you. I think that there's just been there's almost too many good players on the roster to find a way to make them all work together. Um, so I do wonder if DeAndre getting hurt has some kind of impact on that. It does shake things out. Um I mean, Kevin Herter has probably been the biggest disappointment of the season so far for Atlanta, at least for me. Like, I mean, he just signed a, a pretty significant contract after having, I mean, I mean, maybe being the fourth best player on the team during mm-hmm. the playoff run um, behind John, Clinton, and, and Trey. Like, he was he was absolutely fantastic and extremely important for, for them getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. Just has not shown out the same way to start the year. And I do think part of that is, okay, well, he's not handling the ball as much. The second unit has just been kind of a disaster, um, and part of that is playing all bench lineups. Just that is unfortunately a Nate McMillan staple. Like Nate <laughs> McMillan is a very, very good coach. That's been one of the things with him as long as I can remember that has been a little bit frustrating. Um, but they've just never really been able to, to find ways to, to stagger the lineups that make sense and keeping, you know, the right groups together. Like they haven't been able to find that yet. Um, I still think this team is so talented that they're going to to hit a point where they do. And in some ways, injuries might clear things up that way. We've seen that happen with teams in the past. Um, I think if 
a lot would hinge for me on Quinn Capella. He looked a little, he's looked a little bit better over the last week. He has not been himself most of this year. Uh, he hasn't been as good around the rim. He hasn't been as efficient. The defense hasn't been as good either. Um, I think part of it is it's tough for him coming off of, you know, an extended playoff run. I mean, for the whole team, they were still playing in the in the Eastern Conference Finals three months ago. So, that I mean, he's minus seven point two per hundred possessions right now. Uh, yeah, he's, he's been a negative, been. and that's the thing is like I mentioned to people, I'm like, if Nyaka and Kongu doesn't get, go down, I think a lot of the the early problems are solved. I think he was he was showing out, and I think he's going to be a defensive assassin because like I think we're what 28th in defensive rating, but still top five, top six in offensive rating. Like everyone's shooting well outside of Herder. Like the, it hasn't been the shooting, which actually scares me more. Is that I think Collins isn't shooting 37 percent all year. I don't think uh, I, I don't think. Trey is shooting 39% all year. So I think those numbers are going to start to go down. Uh, Cam's at 37%. Um, but I also wonder, like you mentioned with Capella's playoff run, but like, I wonder if these guys just, they're ready for the playoffs again. Like they got so much out of the playoffs last year. It's hard to psych yourself back up after going through that grind and knowing that like, Hey, we just have to make things work. We just have to qualify for the playoffs. And we we've shown that it doesn't really matter that it's going to be, very difficult to knock us out in a seven game series so it's hard i think for teams that just get on the precipice like that they were so close to even making the finals which is just preposterous that like to get psyched up for another 82 game season not too long after i wonder if that's playing a a role in the defensive lapses but are you seeing anything specifically that is really really killing them on the defensive end i really do think it's been capella like so it's just capella yeah he has not been great defensively to start the year um, he hasn't looked as mobile and part of this is tough because I don't want to be overly critical. Like we saw this last year was an issue too. Like, um, he started the year pretty slow. He's been a slow starter for much of his career, at least, uh, the last couple of years, um, in Houston into, into his first year with the Hawks. Um, so I don't want to be like hitting panic mode yet, but if this is like, I mean, let's say, okay, 12, 15 games from now, if Clint still looks like this and is not as mobile and, uh, doesn't have the same balance. So I think that's been part of the issue too. He has not looked the same vertically um, in terms of how he's, you know, getting up around the rim. Um, then I would have more questions there. And I mean, I think Trey's been fine defensively. Like from mm. what I mean, you know, from from what you're getting from him, you know, like he's been active. He's been he's been doing what he has to do. Um, I just really think a lot's going to come down to Clint and how things are working there. And and I mean, they've changed things up defensively too. They've changed up some of the schemes. They're doing some dumb stuff with switching that I really just don't understand why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think, again, like I do think they're going to have the personnel to work it out. But like, again, like you just, okay, you can't have the Noah Gallinari switching on the guards. <laughs> that just can never happen. I, I, I don't care if it's late shot clock or not. I don't want to see it happen. Like he, he can't do it. Um, it's it's just they've kind of been shooting themselves in the foot this year yeah as far as i'm concerned so um that's where i'm at with it like i don't again but the cool thing is they have the talent like they're 14 deep they have time to experiment and figure it out like i don't know i'm just curious what uh what kind of situation that they have long term after the the run that they went on last year i just ownership i imagine with wrestler and company are not uh enthused about this early start so i we know Cam Reddish, I mean, with your Cleveland Cavaliers and the Indiana Pacers, like that could have been a possibility this offseason. So I'm cu- I'm just curious what uh, what the company line is for the next couple months, if they're still flirting with 500 or something around that. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, Terry Smaxey, 
I'm, I've not gotten to a bunch of Sixers yet. So a lot of it's just the numbers and just seeing um, the, the possession clips and stuff like that. But like, do you think he's made the leap? And also that like, what, what is Tyrese Maxey's upside? What, what can he be? What level can he get to for Philadelphia? And does that change the calculus for how we should view Philadelphia over the next several months? Yeah, I mean he's he's been very essential to what they've done in the early season. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of it's been Joel. I mean Joel is playing the best defense he has since he came into the league um, during the regular season, and that's important. With Tyrese though, um, I don't know if I'm ready to say he's taking the leap. Like he's taking a leap. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's like the leap to to what he's going to be. Can he be an all star? I think not this year, but like okay. in in time, I think he could be. Um, mm-hmm. Like he's putting up very good numbers right now. I wonder how sustainable that is um, because his some of his shooting splits from three have been kind of ridiculous. I don't think they're going to hold up. But the, the thing for him is like a, a, a guard who gets downhill and puts pressure on the rim. Like, honestly, he's not really um, like he can be a lead ball handler, but ideally he's not your best playmaker because he's not a great passer. If we're being honest, like he mm-hmm. is good at generating reads from his scoring gravity. But like he's not a guy who's going to move a defense without, you know, having to get downhill first. So that doesn't mean that he can't be uh, a real, like a, a true, like primary initiator in time. But it's again, it's going to take time and reps. Um, so he's on an odd trajectory. Like, okay, well, we want you to develop, but we also need you to be awesome right now because Ben Simmons isn't playing. We have, you know, nothing to show for that, and uh, you know, Joel's in his prime. So we need to win. And luckily, I mean, he's putting it through so far. He's been incredible in terms of how he's getting to the rim. The biggest thing has been like he had moments earlier this year where he looked completely hesitant from outside. He had two games in a row where he didn't even shoot threes. Um, And that was an issue for him last year, just not being super willing to take threes unless it was off the catch. Um, I mean, a lot of teams are willing to go under uh, on ball screens whenever he's running pick and roll, which negates a lot of his ability to, to, to get downhill. He's starting to willingly take stuff off the dribble now, and it looks good. It's falling. Um, Teams are adapting to it. And I think it's just about continuing that. I, I, for me, like I think he's a guy, a guy who can be maybe a, a multi-time all-star. It just depends. And by that, I mean like, okay, maybe it's like two or three. I don't want to put a ceiling on what he can be, but I also don't want to say like, yeah, this guy's going to be an MVP candidate or anything. Um, it's been very promising, but I also just would uh, would want to pump the brakes a little bit because um, you know there things are going to tighten up, especially once he gets higher up on the scouting report. Uh, it's going to look different, but also playing next to Joel Embiid is a great way to look pretty good. So um, I'm definitely very high on him. And the the other thing too, I mean, his defense has been really good. It, mm-hmm. Granted, he's small. I think he's only six three, with a relatively small wingspan. Um, but he's been really feisty to the point of attack. He's good getting over screens. Um, he's solid in help. He's gotten better there. He has. He's not awesome off the ball, but mm-hmm. um, he just does a lot of things that that the team really needs and i think he's getting close to an area where you can say he's a he's a an average or slightly above starting point guard and that's it's pretty damn good considering it's year two for him i like it i like it um the warriors best net rating in basketball plus 12.9 um this is all without clay and without wiseman which actually probably is a net positive there um do you think this is sustainable for the for the rest of this season do you think no. that they are this good uh, I think they're very good. I don't mm-hmm. think that it's it's sustainable, no. Okay. Um, I have to look up the exact number, but they've played the majority of their games at home so far mm-hmm. and haven't really gone on a sizable road trip. Um, that's not everything, but also they have a pretty significant home court advantage. Um, I do have real questions about 
whether or not Draymond Green can keep up what he's doing because he's been incredible. Like Steph has been their best player, but Dre has really set up what they're able to do. Um, he's been just absolutely fantastic on both sides. He's been way more aggressive on offense, which has been good. Like he's been good on relocation. Like, okay, if, if he's not being guarded, he's going and setting a screen for someone or he's slipping into space and, and trying to get to the rim in ways that he hasn't in a couple years. Um, so that's been really nice and a huge boon for their offense. But yeah, Steph has been amazing. The biggest thing has just been their, their role players mm-hmm. um, are a lot better. Jordan Poole is preposterous to me. Jordan Poole's looked a lot better. Yeah. He mm. started the year rough. He hasn't shot well from outside. Um, he's, He's really fun because I love watching guys who are like just absurd movers. And he's mm. one of them, like a guy <laughs> who just moves a ton off the ball. And uh, absurd so he's kind of like movers. A, I like this. Who's on this list? Who are your absurd yeah, movers right now? It's Jordan Poole and who? Uh, uh, Steph. Jordan okay. Poole. Um, like going through history, like Ray Allen, mm. um, like guys like that who flow off movement, like are adept at running off screens like Reggie Miller. Mm. Um, Clay would be one of those guys for me. He moves a ton off the ball. Um, Chris Duarte in Indiana does that a lot. Um, there are a lot of guys who like, you know, uh, like TJ Warren is another great example in Indiana. Um, everybody who's coming to, to mind is of course somewhere else. Like, mm-hmm. um, the point being like guys who are good at, at moving off the ball to get to their spots mm-hmm. because not everyone is capable of just creating from a standstill. Um, I think that's, what's been impressive about Jordan is finding that in himself and getting good at it. Uh, it helps being in that, a system that really, um, is built around that, but also it's, that takes a lot of self-discipline and work to actually get to being doing, to to get to doing that. And it's just kind of made a a real headache for defenses in some ways, because he is so good at getting to the rim out of actions. Like he, he gets his handles pretty rudimentary right now. Like it's not great, but it's enough where, okay, if he's able to shake someone off a screen and get some separation, he can get going downhill and create some problems there. But then if him and Steph are on the court together, okay, you're worrying about two extremely good shooters off of movement who can get to the rim and also create plays for other others. Like their offense has been, I think what's been most surprising. I thought the defense would be solid again this year because they still had some of the same core from last year that made the defense really good. Um, I was curious on how the offense would shake out if it would be too Steph reliant. Um, this year, it, it's, they've just really had the, the guys who fit into their offense, what they do. Because last year, um, a lot of people were, were critical with Kelly Oubre, and I get it to an extent, but also Steve Kerr didn't adapt his offense at all to incorporate Kelly Oubre. Like we knew coming in, Kelly Oubre is not a good ball mover. He's not a great, uh, like his efficiency isn't always there. And also he's just like never quite been the guy who you want to have in the ball. Like you can have the ball in his hands, but in the right scenarios. And I thought last year, Steve Kerr, frankly, did a pretty, de- pretty damn bad job in terms of getting the ball in his hands in the right scenarios, playing in a way that made sense for him. Um, so it's just been better this year with the way that they've built the roster out for sure. And, and Steph and Jordan Poole have been a big reason for that. Yeah. I just think it's weird with Uber cause you don't want to lean too much in real. Like, are we really building our offense around Kelly Oubre? And also he was dealt a kind of a rough hand because they signed Kelly Oubre as a, just a last minute, uh, save the season type deal because of Clay's injury. So I think he was kind of in a, in a tough bind there. And, um, yeah, no, I don't know. For sure. Like, you don't want to build your offense around somebody. Like, that's for like most stuff. Like, stuff is there. Build your offense around stuff. But I do think, like, you have to find ways to, okay, we know if 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 Kelly gets the ball on a short roll, like, mm. that shot is going up. It is not going out <laughs> to anybody. Um, okay, well, you have to find ways to adapt for that. I think, to, to Steve's credit, he's been better with that this year. Like, I really have liked the way that, A, they've talked about Jonathan Kaminga, and B, 
have utilized him so far. Like he had a solid game the other night um, against the Bulls, like just finding ways to um, to use him in the proper scenarios and, and get him developmental reps without uh, infringing on the offense or on his development. And it's, it's not an easy line to cross, um, but it been encouraging for sure. Who's been better to start this year, KD or Steph? Oh, this one is tough, man. Um, like Steph has been incredible, but I do think I lean KD. Hmm. Like um, KD has just been like his shooting splits have been insane, and it's not even just shooting splits. It's just um, like what he's doing as a shooter inside the arc, around the rim, getting to the line has been kind of ridiculous. He's been very good defensively as well to start the year, having one of his better passing seasons. Um, I mean, it's tough to to downplay Steph. Like, I think in some ways Steph is like he's been very good, but I think uh, he had a little bit of a slow start over the first five games in terms of what he was doing inside the arc. Um, like KD is shooting sixty four percent on two pointers, which mm-hmm. is just kind of insane, especially considering his shot diet. Like, he's taking a ton of mid rangers, a lot of pull ups. I don't think De'Aaron Fox is shooting sixty four percent from from the mid range. You what? I don't think De'Aaron Fox is, is shooting 64% yeah, not from mid-range. Yeah, no. I, can, I can guarantee you it is not close. <laughs> uh, he is trying, but no, it's not. Uh, I mean, KD has just been – like they've kind of smoothed out their offense now over the last week or so, especially as James Harden has gotten acclimated and being back to closer to who he is as a player. Does he look um, right to you now? Not fully. Like mm-hmm. I think he looks a lot better, but he's not like fully there to me. Um, he still looks very good, but um, – like the last four or five games have been a lot closer to last year, but um, I, I also was not one of the panic people. Like I think it was pretty clear. Like yeah, he got injured; his hamstring was going to be a problem. He's a guy who plays himself into shape and gets ready for the season by playing a ton of pickup in the off season, and he didn't get to do that at all this last off season. So I'm not really super surprised that he's had this kind of start. Um, what's just been wild is how their defense has really gelled together, and a lot of it's been like. Having to rely on KD shooting, yeah, 61% from mid-range, 78% of the rim, which is just a bonkers number to look at. Um, I don't think the Nets are in the position they are without how well KD has played offensively. I, I mean, same thing for the Warriors, but again, so much has been on on their team play, and, and Brooklyn's really been trying to figure things out. Like, Brooklyn has quietly, I mean, been just about the second or third best team in the NBA. Like, they started off slowly, and now they're 10-4 and four and tied for the number one seed in the, in, in the East, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think has been quite at the forefront for people. Um, so for me, it would be KD. Obviously, it's pulling hairs. I think Steph and KD have been two of the three best players in basketball this year by a wide margin. Who's the third? Nikola Jokic. Oh, I okay. Think, I, if I had to give out the MVP today, it would probably be Nikola Jokic. Wow. What's he doing better than last good. year? The defense has been even better. Okay. Um, like he went from being like a, a little bit above average defense last year to now he's his activity has been absurd defensively. Um, I've been really impressed with what he's done as a rim protector. Like, obviously, he's not your traditional rim protector, but he's done a lot in terms of, uh, you know, starting to find better ways to get at people, get more up in their grill. He's been just uh, pushing the action instead of letting it come to him, if that makes sense. It sounds like a cliche, but that's really been the thing with him. He's always been like a do your job defender. And now he's just finding ways to make it hard on offensive players, which is not something I expected from him. And he's also just improved his efficiency even more. Like, and that's with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. both missing significant time. Uh, it's just been kind of a revelation. You're like, I, I never really know how to talk about players sometimes that are that good because 
you know, you don't want to take it for granted. Like when I was a kid, I just, it was like, oh, you know, this is LeBron. I, I can go see him play, see, see, see him play whenever I want because I live 15 minutes away from the arena. It is what it is. And then you get to a point and you're like, that's LeBron James. Like he's one of the, maybe the greatest player of all time. Um, I'm not saying that's Nikola Jokic, but like I thought last year was the top of what he could do. He's been even better this year. I mean, 26 points per game on, uh, you know, True shooting, that's 10% above league average, which is insane. I mean, career-high rebounding with 14 per game. He's still dishing the rock like crazy, uh, like I mentioned with the defense. He's taking more threes and hitting them at an even higher rate than he did last year. Um, he's just been crazy, man. Like, And he has the same kind of two-point shooting numbers as, as KD. Like, he's shooting 59% from mid-range right now. <laughs> like, I just – like, you literally cannot defend him. The only way to defend him is double him and hope that the guy that he throws the ball out to misses. Um, so when Murray comes back, do you have them coming out of the West? Uh, I have questions. Like, okay. I I do think the Nuggets, when healthy to me, are probably, other than the Suns, the best team in the West. Not a um, jazz believer. I am not a jazz believer right now. They have mm. looked bad for me, for me, especially over the last week or two. Like, they're three and four in their last two weeks of gameplay. Um they their offense doesn't have the same kind of pop that it did last year even i mean they're still second in offense this year but just in watching like it's not the same Uh, their offense bogs down a lot easier than it did last year they don't have the same kind of movement um i don't really think the defense has been all that much better if we're being honest in terms of what it's supposed to look like you know at the next level like uh any of the additions they've made i I, i've liked some of like, like i like eric pascal he's done some nice things for them but I still think they have real questions for me in terms of what they're going to be in the playoffs. And they're just very much a wait and see team for me. They've been a good regular season team for three or four years now and have had a lot of the same problems pop up in the playoffs. Um, so I don't want to be reductive with it. I'm still waiting to see how things play out and, and if things change up for them during the year, but I am not a jazz believer currently. Ooh, it's rough for me. Cause I had jazz bucks in the, in the finals before the year. It could happen. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I, like I still think there's a, a very good chance that they get there, but I need to see more. It has not been a, a great uh, past 10 games for them. Yeah. But thankfully, it's a long season. So we'll see. It we'll is see. a very long season. It is a very long season. Well, Mark, this has been great. Thank you so much for making the time this evening, man. You should not be a stranger. This is, it, it was great talking ball with you, man. Uh, what can the good folks check out from you across the internet this week? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks a ton, man. I appreciate you having me on. This was a blast. I'd love to talk anytime. Um, you can find me on Twitter at M. Schindler NBA. It's M S C H I N D L E R NBA. I almost forgot how to spell my last name. It's been a long day, man. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find pretty much anything I'm doing up there. I'm very active on Twitter. All my stuff goes up there. I have a Patreon that, if if you enjoy my work, most of my I I cover the NBA draft. Uh, most of my draft work and just draft notes, game notes stuff are going to go up there. I got um, you a draft note. Are you ready for this? I got you. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm local Knoxvillian. Uh, oh, Tennessee Kenny Chandler's going to be good, man. I oh. like Kenny Chandler a lot. Uh, he's quite good. Case, yeah, he's very good. And the the uh, like, it's just it's amazing watching what we were doing last year with Keon and Jaden versus what Barnes is running this year. Tennessee is it's running. It's almost like Kenny it's, Chandler can actually handle the ball. It's it's amazing. <laughs> It's not bad. It uh, it's not bad, but I mean, to this point, it's ETSU and uh, UT Martin. So we'll see what it looks like uh, with better competition. But it is fun. It is fun getting shots up and the offense uh, getting more uh, more innovative. I like it. I like it. Uh, Chet Holmgren still continues to baffle me. Uh, that just the look and feel and everything. But we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Mark, thank you so much for making the time. I greatly appreciate it. I will uh, talk to you again soon. Sounds good, man. Have a good one. 
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.